First Chronicles 29, I'll read 14 and then 16 just to begin to, you know, adjust our mind. I'm going to bring it to financial stewardship. First Chronicles 29, 14, he says, but who am I? Oh, come on. This is powerful. And who are my people? This is David speaking. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? Who am I? Now, David was speaking. He said, who am I? Who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? Listen to this. For all things come from you. For all things. Who am I? And who are these people that we should be able to offer to God so willingly as this? For all things come from you. And of your own we have given to you. All things come from you. And of your own we have given to you. The most important thing to settle when it comes to your finances is to be sincere and genuine that you know the owner of it. <laughs> it's to be sincere and genuine that you know the person who owns it. And that's a question that if God begins to enter into the secret of our hearts right now, many of us will say with our lips, God owns it, but in our heart we know, you know, you, owns, you own everything you've got. Which is really technically not true. Because it's massive deception. Because you do not own anything. How can you own something when your life is owned by somebody else? David said, who am I? Who are these people that we should be able to offer willingly as this? For all things come from you. All things come from you. Not some things. All things come from you. And of your own, we have given you. You know that stuff, when you say without the Bible, it will be as if pastor just likes to say stuff. But you know me very well. Everything is a scripture. That's it. If the Bible says it, I believe it. If the Bible says it, I accept it. He says, for all things come from you and of your own we have given you everything. It's not the words. Every time you give to God, you're only bringing in his stuff. You're only bringing of his own back to him. That was why the children of Israel, when they were living in Egypt, God told them to, to, to get gold and get all of those beautiful things. And then when the time came, God said, all of those gold that you collected, I need those gold for my temple. Because if it's, it's of his own that we bring to him. Praise the Lord. So, the concept of financial stewardship suggests that God will commit who? Finances and wealth into your hands. Oh, you're saying um, amen. God, the, the meaning is this. The, the, the concept, when we talk about financial stewardship, what we're saying is this. That God will commit finances and wealth into your hands. 
Now, and as a steward, you will be given the liberty, the freedom to manage it and make the right decisions. Yeah. You, because that's what we do anyway. Praise God. You can choose today. You're not going to give any offering. Full stop. It's your money. In that respect. You can choose you're not going to give anything to church. You can choose you're not going to give any money to charity. They're all liars. They're not suffering. You can choose that you're not going to be a blessing to your parents. You can choose. And you know the funny thing. Do you want to get this? The mistake we make is to think that God is like us. And so, because of mismanagement, he will take it away from us. I want to tell you, it doesn't really happen like that often. <laughs> uh, start rethinking now. Because we think God thinks like us. So, God gives you that money. And because you're not managing it well, it will get you sacked. And gets you rejected. And you lose your job. You lose everything. It might happen. Because there are many other factors that would make that happen. But you see, God doesn't work like that. He gives you time to come to your senses. Gives you time to come to your senses. And so while he's giving you time to come to your senses, you can think that you're getting away with it. But the Bible says that God is slow to anger. Not because he likes what you're doing. Oh, come on, am I talking to somebody now? I expect you to be very quiet. Don't worry, it's, it's all right. It's all right. The concept is God will commit finances into your hand. God will commit wealth into your hand. But then as a steward, he will give you the freedom, the liberty to manage and to make decisions. But he is giving you guidelines like I'm giving you right now so that the decisions are made right. But until you know that it is God is the owner, it will be difficult for you to manage it right. God is the owner. So question, who gave you what you have? Who gave it to you? What do you have that you have not been given? And the Bible says, if you have been given, why behave as if you did? We're not given. That's the question I need to ask myself. Who gave me my new car? Who gave me my new house? Who gave me my new shoe? Who gave me a new job? Who gave me a, a, a promotion and increased my monthly salary? Who, whatever God has done for you, who gave you the opportunity to buy another house? Who gave you? Who gave you what you have? For if you for a minute think that you gave it to yourself, then the foundation is wrong. And that's why some people will come up and say they're self-made. It's both stupid and idiotic for anybody to think like that because technically speaking, it's not even possible. If you're selling, how can you be self-made? Somebody bought it. How can you be? Can you be self-made and you write software that people have to use? If nobody used your software, you're not going to make it. Nobody's self-made. So it's not possible. That's one. And secondly, what can you have except God has given? What can I have? except God has given. Hello? What? What can I have except God has given? So the question you need to ask yourself is, who gave you what you have? What is the source of your money? You or God? 
What is the source? Because if that's clarified, it's very easy. If somebody says, you know what, I'm going to give you 10 pounds, I'll give you 10 pounds, and um, tomorrow I'll get 5 pounds from it. You know, you'll be fine. You know why? Because if you don't agree that you will give the person 5 pounds, you don't have the 10 pounds. <laughs> but God is not like that. If God were like that, You won't struggle. But God is not like that. God doesn't test. God doesn't bait. God doesn't do all of those things. He's a good God. He just wants you to be good. God counts on you and God counts on me to be good like him. <laughs> That's scary. God is counting on you. God is counting on me to be good. As he is good. God is counting on you and counting on me to do things the way he will do it. Not under duress, not being pushed, not baited, manipulated, cajoled, not deceived. If you don't give your tithe, the windows of heaven will be shut. And then people want to give so that the windows are not shut. God's not like that. Don't worry, I'll talk about that later. You know, you know, so, some, some, some of my friends will say things like this to me, in a way. The Apostle Lincoln, the way you preach about money, that nobody's going to give. I said, you're right, but you're not right. People who don't love God won't give. Because they're expecting somebody to manipulate them before they give. They're expecting someone to tell them, if you don't give to God, the windows of heaven will be shut. No, it's not going to be shut. No, it's not. Will you be blessed giving to God? Yes, you will be blessed. But if I be your father, where is my honor? If he is your God, where is the due respect? Would you also eliminate from your Bible that honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruit of your increase? Oh, come on, maybe next week I'll talk about this. Or oh, many people are deceived to think they're the best givers. We don't need to give in church. I know I'm spending my money, I'm giving to other charities. You are a bad giver because I can prove to you you don't even give up to 10% to that charity you're talking about. Who's deceiving who? You just don't like to give, full stop. Because if you really like to give, 10% is even not a starting point, and you will do this and do that. You know, I've talked to people and say, you know, I, I, I just give the charity. And then you ask them how much are they giving the charity. It's five pounds a month. That's it. But it's a good excuse to show that they have a good heart. I'm taking care of people who are poor. Why do you deceive yourself? And where have you read in your Bible that you only take care of those who are poor? So if your father is wealthy, you're not going to give him any money. That's what you're saying. <laughs> if, it's your, if it's your wife's birthday or your son's or your sister's birthday, and because they have more than enough money and God says give them something, you're not going to give them because they're not poor. Why do we deceive ourselves? Do you buy Christmas presents for poor people? How many of you on Christmas, you're going to buy gifts for poor people? Just confess. Kneel. For most people, they're not buying no poor person anything for Christmas. All the gifts you want to buy for Christmas, they're for rich people. It's when it comes to God. 
that we redefine our standards just to appear unduly pious. Time of reckoning will come. Who gave you? Who gave you? Verse 16 says, O Lord our God, all this abundance, may I have abundance for God's work. He says, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand and is for your own. All this abundance that we are prepared to build your house is all from your hand and is all your own. What do you have that you have not been given? This is scripture. And we are New Testament, tongue-talking, blasting, speaking in tongues, powerful Christians, and we don't even have sufficient understanding like David in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. What an indictment. So with all the spirit of God, with all the anointing that you've got, you can't even interpret the basics of God's nature that somebody like David understood perfectly well. And that was in the Old Testament. People who envy to be like us. You are always, listen to this, until you define yourselves, you are the most important thing in your life. You, yours, and that's it. When last, when last, ask yourself, would you see someone who is in need and give them? When? When? Does God never speak to you? Except to you for yourself? So, you know, all your life you've never seen anybody suffering? There's nobody suffering in your village. There's no body suffering in your town. There's no, you don't see anybody suffering. None. None. I mean none. Oh, come on. That's not possible. Even right here in England, people do suffer. Anyone here, you've ever dropped a pound to that guy on the street saying coins? Because you will explain everything that's going to take drugs with it. Anyway, whether you give one pound or not, if he's wanting to get his drug, he's going to get it. Listen carefully to this. Once you know that everything that you have, God gave, it will change the way you think about it. Listen to this. I need God to help me. I'm telling the truth. I'm not telling you this because, you know what? No, 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 no. I'm not telling you this based on personal competence. I'm telling you the word of God. You leave my competence for me. All right? <laughs> you leave my competence for me and deal with God's word. I'm telling you the word of God. I can tell you what I do, but it really doesn't matter as much as what God says. Can give you my personal testimony, but that's good. That will encourage you. But you see, what you need is what the Bible is saying. David said, all that we have prepared is yours. This is wisdom. Deuteronomy 8.18 And you shall remember the Lord your God. 
for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Just pause there. Do we even believe in God at all? <laughs> Do we believe that we are alive because God has kept us alive? Do you believe that you have strength because God gave you strength? Do you believe you're no better than people who, and who have gone? Do you, do you genuinely believe? You have to. It is of the mercies of the Lord that we are not consumed. You can be smart and intelligent and do great things and have billions in your account and not wake up tomorrow morning. And that's not to scare anybody. Don't get it wrong. I'm just telling you, you know that it happens. You've seen it happen. It's God. Who's helped us? What have you bought with the money you have? How many people have been able to buy peace and buy their marriage? None. God. I've seen poor people that their marriage is brilliant. They say, no, without money, marriage can't be sweet. Somebody has given you half knowledge. Are they going to have challenges? They're going to have challenges. God. And you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you power. Power. Ability. If God takes ability away from me, I can't speak. I can't stand. I won't be able to preach. I won't be able to train. I won't be able to do every other thing that I want to do. I won't be able to do. If God takes strength away from you, it's going to be the same. He is the one that gives you power. Power to make wealth. And you're going to make more in Jesus' name. Because God will not reduce the power. He'll give you more. He's the one that gives you power to get wealth. But that's not the end of the scripture. The Bible says that. Come on. You know, sometimes when I'm reading this, my prayer is this. That you actually just genuinely believe the Bible. Just believe the Bible. Just believe. When you go home, read it. Just believe the Bible. You can choose not to believe everything I've said. Just believe the Bible. Just believe the Bible. It says, it says, For it is he, the Lord your God, who gives you power to get wealth, that, oh no, you know, that, you don't need to have distinction in English language to understand this. That he may establish his covenant. The primary purpose of giving you power to get wealth is not for you, it's for him. But you know the good thing about God? The good thing about God is he doesn't ask for much. Oh, come on. Imagine if a man gives you power to get wealth. You're only going to get 1%. He's going to get 99. If he's a good man, he'll give you five. People will just brokerage for you. Just be your broker for your business. And they'll say they want 50%. They, they have not done the work. 50, that's it. If you don't want, if you can't do the 50, you don't get the job. You're going to beg them to do 50%. You're going to beg them. 
Because he's at a zero or 50%. And there are so many other people, they will turn to the president, they will say, he sees 340, I'll give you 40%, I'll give you the job. Do you get what I'm trying to say? But God is not like that. Somebody shout hallelujah. God is not like that. He's a good, good father. But let's not take his goodness for stupidity. Let us not take God's goodness for, 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 for being an idiot. No. God is just inherently good. That's why he doesn't deal with us the way we expect man to deal with us. Because God is not a man. He is a good God. And I'm telling you the truth. I'm going to talk about it next week. Listen, if this is why somebody doesn't want to give, I'm going to tell you the truth, but I know God will speak to your heart. Listen to this. God is not going to kill you for not giving. God is not going to make your child sick because you're not giving. God is not going to kill you and shut the windows of heaven and punish you and make your life horrible because you don't give him anything. He's not going to do that. Listen to this. If you believe that, you believe in a different God. And that's why you're getting your result. Because what you believe will happen for you anyway. You don't have to believe that before you give to God. You have to give to someone you love out of duress, out of the wickedness of his heart. If you don't give that guy some money, he's going to kill your wife. God is not an area father. God is not a landowner before you build this house. Uh, some of us, you know, where we're from, before you, before you build this house, you pay grand fee. You think God is, God is a tog? God is not a tog. He's not a hooligan. He's not somebody waiting on you. You're not moving an inch. I'm going to kill your wife if you don't give me money. Yeah. Some of us, that's the kind of God you are. Yeah. They'll deal with you today. Make sure that I wreck. Do some, wreak some havoc in your life. No, 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 no. I say this all the time. God wants people who will respond from their hearts to him. God doesn't want people who love him because he's, they think he's wicked. God wants people who genuinely believe that he's a good God and they want to be good to him. Is that not great? Would you not prefer somebody to love you because they want to love you? Do you want somebody to smile because you are dangerous? When they see you, they know they have to smile because you're going to grumble and complain. And say, you can't even greet somebody. So when you see them, it goes like this. And then you turn your head and say, peace. You know, some people do that to you at work. Hope you don't do the same. You just look at someone just like this. And then you turn your face and then, and then the, the, the laughter has dried up. That's the way some of us give to God. <laughs> God is not a beggar. For is he who gives you power to get away that he may establish his covenant which is what to your fathers as it is this day. Let me ask you this question before we go. I think I can still do this. Is money your idol? Think about it. Is money your idol? Will you do anything for money? Will you even stop serving God for money? Which many people do. And they have so many fantastic ways to excuse and explain it. Beautiful. You know, you know one great thing about God is because he's given us so much wisdom. You can explain anything. You know, atheists, they can explain it. In the same way, backsliding Christian can explain it. 
A Christian is not pleasing God can explain it. You can even use Bible to explain it. At the end of the day, sit down, close the Bible, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. So that when you read the Bible, you're not using it as a weapon, but you're allowing God to speak. Is money an idol to me? I get to ask myself. I've told you when I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to me also. Hello? It's, it's, it's money my idol. Will I do, would, would you do anything for money? You say, but pastor, I can't kill for money. You don't have to kill, but you can kill something. You can kill relationship for money. People kill their children for money. They don't have time for their children. They kill their future. They don't have time for their children for money. They amass the money and build houses and do well and let their children just roast. They walk two, four, seven around the clock. They don't care. Pop the child anywhere you can find. I don't know, you don't like things like that, but you will sleep on your bed the way you lay. People kill their children for money. They just kill their future. They're, they don't care. They just make money and buy them gifts and buy them presents. And that guy's going to be old enough to pay you back. And that's where you will know that you've done badly. You can kill your marriage because of money. Well, that happens a lot. When we talk about financial stewardship, it's not the volume of money you have. It's your perception about it. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. No one can serve two masters. <laughs> no one can serve two masters. Because, let me read New Living Translation. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. Very similar. You will be devoted to one. Look at the word. You will be devoted to one. In your heart, sincerely, by the power of the Holy Spirit, are you devoted to money more than you are to God? I don't need an answer. It's not for me. I ask myself the same thing. Am I more devoted to God or to money? He says you'll be devoted. King James Bible, New King James says you'll be loyal. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And somebody says, but I'm not despising God. No, don't just think about that. Think about the devotion. Once you devote to one, you're devoted to one, you're despising the other. Say, but I don't mean to do that. We're not talking about what you mean to do. We're talking about what you do. Do you understand? That's what it is. Once I'm devoted to one, I despise the other. Let me, let, let's bring it home. If I'm devoted to my career, then I despise my marriage. That's not to say I should not be devoted to my career. We're talking about greater. But in this case, this is different. You can't even be devoted to it at all. To mammon. He says you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Somebody say wisdom. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So in King James, he says you cannot serve God and mammon. You see, the word mammon is to idolize money. And so, that's it's straightforward in New Living Translation, that you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. 
And then money becomes mammon. It becomes a god of materialism. You cannot save God and be a slave to money. First Timothy 16. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money is not bad. It's enslavement to money that is the problem. Money is not evil. You need to read my write-off for tomorrow mon Monday. That's the title. Money is not evil. Anybody that tells you money is evil is lying. Anybody that says there's something wrong with the gospel of prosperity, they don't know the meaning of prosperity because prosperity is not money and prosperity is not materialism. I say that all the time. Materialism is wrong. Prosperity is not wrong. If there's no money, we're not going to be here today. Many of us are looking great. You're dressing well. Your shirts, your everything, it's just great. And you think God wants you to wear rags? No, he doesn't. If you don't have a car yet, God wants you to buy one. You don't have to walk everywhere you have to go. You're not Jesus. You don't even have a donkey. The love of money is the root of all kind of evil. What does it mean to love money? The, word, the love of money is one word. Love of money is one word, and you can replace it with the word avarice, A-V-A-R-I-C-E. You can replace it with that word, which means extreme greed for wealth or material gain or insatiable desire or appetite for gain. You have walked to for seven. Your wife is complaining. Your children are shattered. Still, you must go. That's called the love of money. Because you want to make what other people are making. It's the love of money. You can, you can clearly tell. You know, I can't get away from families. You can clearly tell your children are suffering. You can clearly tell that your wife or your husband is suffering. You can clearly tell. But to go to that work to make that extra stupid 500 pounds, it's more important. It's the love of money. He said, but pastor, are you going to pay my bills? You don't understand what we're talking about. Because what you're paying is more than that money. You're paying the future. You're paying their life. I would rather be a little bit broke than sabotage the future of your children. So I'm not saying you're not going to have more money than somebody else. I'm saying what you're losing is more than what you're gaining. That's, what I'm, that's the point we're making here. That's why this is wisdom. That's the point we're making. Wisdom is the capacity to tell the difference. I've taught us that before. That's wisdom. You're going to make more money. Of course you're going to make more money. At what? What are you paying for it? People want to make money and the husband and the wife, the gulf between them is greater than the Sahara Desert. It is massive. But you make money and you don't have no peace. That's the love of money. It's insatiable appetite for wealth. And listen to this, you don't need to have a lot of money to have a love of money. It's not the quantity of money that determines love of money. It's the mindset. There are people who are millionaires, they don't love money. But there are people who are poor. They love money. Because they are thinking, so pastor, what about all those rich people? No, it's not the quantity. In fact, in fact, sometimes it's even poor people that love money more. 
He said, it's a profit without enough money more. Because they think by working hard for extra things, that's what will make you billionaire. Listen to this. If working hard is the, <laughs> is the gateway to success, <laughs> work hard, be diligent, but always remember that the MD of that company play tennis and golf every Saturday. Mm-hmm. Work hard, sweat hard. But remember that that guy who owns that company goes for holidays six times a year. Sweat hard, work to make the money. But remember that his children, eh? they are in Ibiza. Understand what God is saying. Work hard, be diligent. In this church, I will never speak against diligence. You know that. God hates laziness. He detests it. A lazy man cannot even lift his hand to his own mouth. The Bible says, as a dog turns on, the, on, on, on his engine, so a lazy man moves to and fro. They will sleep until they become sleep. They will sleep and then they slept. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. Don't say for pastor, you know, you know, so if you get them now, your husband is saying something, say, and pastor, I said, we should take it easy. We should take it easy. <laughs> I haven't said that. I've just said you should apply wisdom. Ask yourself, wisdom is the capacity to tell the difference. Weigh things up. What are you sacrificing to get what you are getting? What are you losing to gain what you are gaining? Do you get my point? Does that make sense? Extreme greed for wealth. Material gain. Excessive, insatiable. Appetite for material gain. All of those things I've said, there's no prosperity there. Prosperity is not in cash. It's not only money. It's beyond that. We'll talk about another day. It's a materialism. So that gospel you are angry about, that people preach, that is destroying, you cannot preach prosperity and people's Christian life will be destroyed. If that is what you get from it, you're preaching mammon and materialism. Arousing in people an undue appetite to get an undue appetite to grab, an undue appetite to lay their hands on anything. They can kill, they can do anything. They say, as long as I'm not doing anything wrong to anybody. That's the kind of statement that people call themselves Christians and they make. No integrity. God help me. Tell somebody, life is more important than money. Serving God is more important that money so this is wisdom you need money to do things you need money to do things you need money to live you don't live for money you have a life and then the money promotes your life to do things. Your life is more important. Praise God. Go on with this. Or go on with this question. From your heart, genuinely, who owns what you have? Genuinely from your heart. Because the owner will always be the first on your priority list. <laughs> the owner will always take preference 